Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Well, hey, it's great to see you and to bring greetings to you from 50,000 churches who believe in you. Uh, they believe in you so much that every month they bring together uh, gifts from out of their congregation and they send those forward to fund Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, among other things, our mission boards and other educational institutions. And they do that because widows who are living on a fixed Social Security income believe that one of the best things that they can invest in is what God's doing in your life. And so I'm very thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're here. I have to tell you, I've made an important decision today. And, um, and, and so uh, the sorting hat has uh, moved upon me, and, uh, and I have chosen a house uh, here in the college system. So I am... Uh, <laughs> I, I went and picked this up, and I realized that 80% of you now dislike me. Uh, <laughs> But I, have a, but I have a core following now in the congregation, and I feel good about that. I want to tell you why, those of you who may be disappointed, I want to tell you why I have chosen Judson House to be uh, my house. And it's not only because I love the story of Adoniram Judson, and if you'll learn about Adoniram Judson, I think that's something that will have a dramatic impact on your life. But I've also done that because the slogan here, to serve Christ and others selflessly reached out to me because last month I announced the theme of next year's SBC annual meeting and the theme is serving the Lord, serving others. And so really this is basically the theme of SBC 2023 uh, here at Judson House and that's what makes them the best of all the houses here <laughs> at uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. So. Uh, anyway, uh, enough of that. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of First Peter. And uh, for those of you who are in the undergraduate program, that is a book in the New Testament. And uh, we invite you to uh, we invite you to find that sort of toward the end, toward the back uh, of the New Testament, uh, the book of First Peter. We're going to be taking a look. I'm just going to set this down here. We're going to be taking a look at chapter two, First Peter, chapter two. And uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read verses 1 through 10 of 1 Peter 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him... As to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Father, we have read your word. Open our hearts to hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So as we take a look at this passage of scripture, one of the things that I get to do these days, uh, there are a lot of people in the world who are not Southern Baptist. And uh, as I interact with them, members of the media and people in my hometown who we heard you were elected to something and, and uh, family and friends back home, uh, there are a lot of people who are not Southern Baptists who want to know who are these people, uh, Southern Baptists that you represent. And also, I interact with a lot of people who are Southern Baptists who sometimes say, who are these people uh, that I'm affiliated with uh, here in the SBC? And, uh, and it's my delight to spend time talking about who we are as Southern Baptists. And one of the things that I can say to you is that as Southern Baptists, we believe in something called the priesthood of all believers. And it's mentioned in this passage of Scripture. And I want you to know that my early introduction to the idea of this royal priesthood that God has placed all believers into came really in two different uses of that doctrine. One was in kind of an anti-Catholic, anti-Episcopal, anti-Anglican polemic that people would say, well, you know, there are these denominations that say that some people are priests and that other people who are in their midst are not priests in the way that, that that special select class of people are priests. But we're Baptists and we believe in the priesthood of all the believers. And, uh, and, and I do think that sacerdotal denominations, if you don't know that word, hang on, year two or three, probably you'll get that one. Uh, that denominations that have a priestly class, uh, I, I think they've misunderstood this passage of scripture among others. Another way that I heard it used early in my life was during the conservative resurgence in Southern Baptist Convention, where people used the idea of the priesthood of believers to suggest that everyone had kind of a right to their own private interpretation of Scripture, uh, unaccountable to anyone else, don't have to explain it to anyone else, don't have to justify it to anyone else, uh, because we don't believe in any kind of authority whatsoever uh, in, uh, in trying to seek the, the meaning or the interpretation of the Word of God. And I think that kind of individualistic idea of the priesthood of all believers is also something that's flawed and the was used to argue for things that were really unhealthy in the SBC when I was very young. And so in my life, I moved away from using the idea of the priesthood of the believer in that way. But here's the thing. It is a biblical doctrine that actually has an important and critical role in your development as believers. So I'm thank you so much for that kind introduction, Dr. Aiken. As he mentioned, I'm newly elected as president of the SBC, and I find that I'm being oriented to all kinds of things all the time. 
I had to go to Guidestone and be oriented as a de facto ex officio member of the board at Guidestone. I had to go to the executive committee and be oriented as a brand new member of the SBC executive committee. They brought me a little blue notebook and said, we need to put you through orientation to be uh, the, the president of the SBC. And so today what I'd like to do is lead you through orientation for priests who are in service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to take a look at 1 Peter 2, which serves in that way, I think, orientation for new priests in the royal priesthood of Christ. Let's look and see some of the things that you need to do as a new priest. Here's the first thing. One, you need to grow. In order to serve effectively as a priest, you need to mature. You need to grow. In the beginning of this passage, in verse 1 and 2 and 3, he says, putting aside malice, putting aside deceit, putting aside hypocrisy and envy and slander. I may, I may preach only that verse at the SBC annual meeting uh, this next year. Put aside those things. If everybody would put aside those things, a lot would change. Uh, putting that aside, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. These verses are leading up to this declaration that you are a chosen nation, that you are a royal priesthood. And we are encouraged in this context to be people who desire to grow, who desire to mature, and with good reason. You've read the Old Testament, right? It was always the immature priests who were the problems. It was Aaron's sons. The juvenile, immature priests who kindled strange fire before the Lord and caused the fire of God to come out and consume them. It was Eli's sons who corrupted the priesthood, who were the fathers of clergy sexual abuse. Go read it and see. It was these young, immature people in the priesthood who refused to grow, who were the most common source of problems in the priesthood in the Old Testament. So if you're going to take upon yourself the mantle of being a priest in the service of the Lord God, that comes with a commitment to preparation. It comes with a commitment to growth. It comes with a commitment to maturity. Because somebody's going to count on you to be their pastor. Because some people group is going to count on you to be the one who brings the word of God to you. They're going to be watching you. They're going to be asking you questions. They're going to be, they're going to be dependent upon you to point them to Christ. And a commitment to growth and maturity is necessary for that. That's why it's important that you are here that's the reason for which this institution serves. Because Southern Baptists believe that your equipping and your growth as leaders in the church helps you, to, because listen, the priesthood is not just people who go to seminary. It helps you to go back to your churches and help them to grow. Help them to have a commitment to maturity in their vocation as priests serving God. And the way to grow is through right teaching of the Word of God. 
And so God has called these priests to be people who long for the milk of the word, who hunger for it, who, who push for it, who demand it so that they might be able to mature. Disabuse yourself of any notion that your relevance is found in your being juvenile. Have fun. I have fun. Enjoy life. I enjoy life. Have a sense of humor. I'm working on one. Maybe one of these days. But when Timothy was young in the ministry, Paul called him to be an example. And serving as that example means a commitment to growth and maturity. The second thing, gosh, so many important things here. But it speaks to us that we have a responsibility to work sacrificially before the Lord, to offer spiritual sacrifices. That's what priests do. And I think really part of the way that we've gone wrong sometimes in our understanding of this idea of the priesthood of all believers is that we have contrasted it against medieval priests in Catholicism when Peter obviously was not thinking about that. It didn't exist yet. He was thinking about the priesthood of the Old Testament. And in the priesthood of the Old Testament, the primary function of the priest was to offer sacrifices before God. Sacrifices of tribute to God. Sacrifices to seek atonement from God. Sacrifices as recompense for sins that were committed. And so Peter says to these believers, just because we don't build altars to burn up animals outside our Christian meeting places, and just because atonement sacrifices have been completely fulfilled in the work of Jesus, doesn't mean that there's no work for a priest to do in the household of God. We're a priesthood, but we offer spiritual sacrifices. We only kindle fires to smoke brisket, amen? (laughs) We have potluck. But apart from that, the spiritual sacrifices are the sacrifices that we offer. He says here in verse 4 and 5, coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Several important things in this verse that I want to point out to you as we're moving through verse 5. First of all, I want you to notice that in offering up those spiritual sacrifices, the people who offer up spiritual sacrifices need holiness in order to do so. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. I just preached through Leviticus at FBC Farmersville because after 23 years, I wanted to see if that would get me fired, uh, which it didn't. Uh, the, listen, this is a true story. Uh, I, I sent out an email to the church. I said, pray for me. I'm planning my sermon calendar. Here are some books I've never preached through yet in all these years here. Leviticus was one of several others. 
I had a deacon email me back and say, I hope I'm dead before you get to Leviticus. And I said, Leviticus it is, uh, immediately. Went, Not because I wanted him to die, but, <laughs> but, but because I don't want the people of my church hating any part of God's word. And so I said to them, we're doing Leviticus. You're going to love Leviticus or I'm going to die trying one way or the other. And I survived. I lived through it all the way to the end. But one of the things that you notice in Leviticus are all the requirements for consecrating a priest. You know, later in the book of Malachi, God says, in response to the failed experiment of the Levitical priesthood, he says, he shall purify the sons of Levi that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Do you realize that you are the fulfillment of that prophecy? I mean, it's kind of neat to see prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in you. Jesus sanctifies you so that you can be what the Old Testament never produced, pure priests offering spiritual sacrifices that are, look what it says here in the text, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus sanctifies you so that your offerings are good enough. What are those spiritual sacrifices? The the scripture speaks of several of them. It talks about the sacrifice of praise that we offer to God, the, the sacrifice that we offered earlier in this worship service. But praise doesn't have to be just set to music. It's about lips of praise that give thanks to God and honor him and lift him up in everyday life. Scripture in in the book of Hebrews talks about the spiritual sacrifice of our gifts. We come and when we provide offerings to the ministry of the Lord. The important thing is to understand that God has consecrated you to a task as a holy priest of bringing offerings to his glory. One of the reasons why I think this is really important is because some of the people in our churches know that they have forgiveness, but do not know that they have a job. They know that they have a destination, but they don't realize that they have a vocation. And the priesthood of all believers means that everyone in my church and everyone in your church has a job assignment, has a task, whoever they are, to offer up spiritual sacrifices in holiness through Jesus Christ to the Lord. So we're called to grow. We're called to offer spiritual sacrifices. Third thing I want to point out to you is that we are called to cooperate. Hey, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention ought to preach about this. Some people look at the cooperation of our churches 
as a pragmatic add-on that came later. It's not completely not true. The Bible doesn't spell out, believe it or not, the bylaws and constitution of the SBC are not in here anywhere. No instructions about lift your ballot at microphone number four. So the specific particulars about how we do it are things that we've decided pragmatically based upon biblical principles the best we could understand them. But the idea that your church cooperates with mine is not a pragmatic add-on from later on. It is a command of Scripture. The idea that we as believers cooperate with each other, because I want you to see what it says about this priesthood, this work that we have as priests before God. It intermingles this discussion about a holy priesthood with this metaphor about building a building. Look at what he says here in verse 4. He says, coming to him... As to a living stone, Jesus the cornerstone, coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, He's saying you are both the temple and the priests who serve in it. And sometimes when we see language about being built up, we think about that individually. But praise God. God knew to write scripture in a language that had a y'all in it. And these are all y'all yous here in this passage of scripture. And what he's saying is, just like buildings of stone have to be fitted together, it's not like bricks. This building's made of bricks. You buy those pre-molded into the same shape, every one of them. Bricklayers come out here, They set up their line. Have you ever tried to do that? Well, they make it look easy. They get that little line there. They bring a brick out. They get that trowel, and they just, with the mortar, stick it there, tap it a couple times, and move on. Yeah, you try doing that. They make it look easy. But I know this. Even though it's difficult for me to do, it's a whole lot easier than fitting stones together. Because stones don't all come the same shape. They're irregular. Jesus knew how irregular you are. (laughs) And so he used this metaphor of stones quarried, brought to build a building. You start putting those stones together and you have to find which one fits with which other one. And sometimes what the stonemason has to do is chisel away a little bit on this one or that one to make it fit in so that the building can go up. Cooperation is hard work. Cooperation requires the hammer and the chisel sometimes in the hand of God. 
upon his people to help us to fit together. That cooperation is true at the level of the local church. Whatever local church you're a part of, God will give you the blessing of irregularity in the people who are contained in that congregation. And you're going to have in your mind the way everything should fit together. And I just tell you now, it ain't going to fit together that way. However you think it's all going to fit together, it's not going to fit together that way. There's always shaping. There's always building. There's always fitting. And we have to be committed to the work of shaping and building and fitting. Committed to the work of praying, loving, encouraging, persuading, That's why it's sinful against God when we do things to tear down the building. It's sinful against God when we do things to throw stones away. It's sinful against God when we see the work of generations before us and we leave it to decay because God is at work building not an an atomic, I don't mean like nuclear, but separate, each one to itself, uh, uh, an individualistic network of I'm my own priest. Some Some people approach the priesthood of God the way that online get your marriage credentials sites approach ministry. That you can just go online and you're not really part of any real denomination. You don't answer to anybody. You don't have to try to work with anybody. You just want to be able to do marriages. You can go online and the church or whatever will issue you your ordination certificate and you're in business. But instead, God calls us to surrender our individuality and to commit to cooperation even if it means I have to work to fit in with other people around us. Because it's not I'm a priest, it's we are a priesthood. And together we're serving the Lord. It's a commitment to cooperation, to the building up of that spiritual house. And then the last thing I wanna highlight to you is that it's a commitment to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there are several quotations in verse 6 and 7 and 8 from the Old Testament. Peter's making his case from the Old Testament how all of this is true. And then in verse 9, he comes to restate again the idea of the priesthood. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, Four things that he says there. You are God's chosen people now. You are God's royal priesthood now. You are God's holy nation now. You are a people who belong to God now. And all of those things, for this reason, look what he says. So that... You may proclaim 
the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because listen, the Aaronic priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood, the Levitical priesthood was something that you gained by being born into it. You were in the Levitical priesthood because daddy was in the Levitical priesthood. And granddaddy was in the Levitical priesthood. And the genealogical trail was maintained very carefully to demonstrate your qualification in your birth. But you become a member of this priesthood not by being born, but by being born again. And because of that, every member of this priesthood was not a priest once upon a time. Every member of this chosen race was a stranger once upon a time. Every member of this royal kingdom was a pauper once upon a time. Every member of this nation was an immigrant as they came in. And so because of that, instead of being like Hophni and Phinehas. Instead of like being some of the other priests who are derelict in their duties, you ought to be just proud that you're here. And you ought to be telling everybody who would listen how awesome it is that you're here. And how all of it is attributed to the gracious kindness of our God and that all of it communicates to others the hope that they too can become the chosen race, a member of the royal priesthood, a member of the holy nation, that they too can become a part of the people of God. This is your task. I'm reminded of a very old movie, uh, Patton. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the movie Patton. And it's about a general during World War II who was uh, quite a character uh, in ways that made him successful and in ways that led to his downfall. Uh, Quite a character. There's one scene where he comes in to headquarters of the U.S. Army of a unit that had been defeated terribly in battle. That's why they brought Patton in to make a change. He comes into headquarters in, in Algeria. He rounds a corner and you see him stumble and you hear a noise and you realize that he's accidentally hasn't seen a soldier who was asleep in the hallway. He ran into him, kicked him. And the soldier gets up And the general says, soldier, what were you doing down there? He said, I was trying to get some sleep. And the general said, get back down there, son. You're the only man in this headquarters knows what he's trying to do. Our churches get in trouble when they're like that. When we don't know what we're trying to do. Our convention gets in trouble when we're like that 
when we've lost sight of what we're trying to do. Heaven is later. You are here now. The priesthood is ready for service. And the Lord deserves it. Will you commit yourself every day of your life to give yourself to this Lord and to serve as his priest? Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks to you for the truth of your word. Give thanks to you for this amazing privilege that we who were far, far away have been brought in, brought near, consecrated and ordained as priests in your service. Help us to serve with excellence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.